Hi, I'm Jennifer Isabella. And I'm Keith Johnston. Your co-host for Forrester's podcast, What It Means, where we explore the latest market dynamics impacting executives and their customers. Today, we're joined by VP and Research Director Linda Ivy Rosser, MVP and Principal Analyst Liz Herbert, to discuss the benefits and challenges of modernizing your digital operations platforms. Welcome both. Hi. Thanks, Jen. Happy to be here. So I'm excited for this conversation. Um, We've gone through the last couple of years where there's been massive transformations. It's almost... Uh, it's almost a foregone conclusion that the digital transformation process is is now starting to to move on, and and we're talking about full on modernization of companies. But so much has come uh, to the stories around those those platforms and technologies and these evolution of our business models around the customer. But Liz, you're saying, uh, and some of your research right now is that this is the moment where operational platforms and customer-facing technology need to be part of a complete modernization for the next generation of business. Can you tell us what you mean by that? And then let's get into the tech. That's exactly right. So what we're seeing is that a lot of organizations over the past decade or so, they have already been investing in next generation customer facing systems. We've seen a lot of modernization in core CRM, in marketing systems, in the whole MarTech stack, in commerce systems with the shift to now headless commerce. But for a lot of those same organizations, they have not made comparable investments in their operational platforms, their ERPs, their supply chain systems. We've also seen that in a lot of those operational categories, cloud solutions are just coming onto the market now. If you look at ERP or supply chain or product lifecycle management, the world is still dominated by on-premises or hosted versions rather than real next generation cloud and SaaS solutions that bring more of the versionless nature, more of the automatic upgrades with all of the innovation that brings, and really the versionless ability to bring the whole community together and build off the ideas of others. So we are fielding a lot of questions from our clients now around what should they be looking at? What is the landscape of modern digital operations platforms? What's their business case? Because for large enterprises, this can be a $100 million investment or more. It's not something they're taking lightly. Um, But yes, we are seeing that big wave starting to happen now, uh, really the migration of those systems to the cloud. And increasingly, companies are doing that because they recognize what a critical role those play, both for customer experience and for employee and partner experience as well. Let me add that we are seeing the growth in automation of enterprise operations. And with operations consuming large parts of annual budgets, continuously transforming these functions just makes sense. I think the net impact of what Liz shared is that transforming ops leads to better products and services, as well as significant improvements in employee productivity and engagement. Before we get too far ahead, because you, you mentioned um, even employee, and that's that's where you know ERPs and HCM and all these technologies come together. And this is not new technology, um, but what we have seen on the consumer side is there's been a massive amount of investment in CX. There has been not so much investment in employee and operations innovation. So before we get to our too ahead of ourselves. You are talking about we're moving from the focus on ERPs to DOPs that is inclusive of many systems of technologies coming together. Is that correct? 
That's right. So a couple of years ago as Forrester, we, we looked at our body of ERP research at the time. And what we saw is that a lot of ERPs in their current form, and frankly, what many still run today, they're on these systems that are very inflexible. They're drowning in technical debt. Uh, they're not really able to adapt or evolve them to what the business needs now. And so we're seeing that even the word ERP has a bit of a negative connotation, and it doesn't really reflect what's going on in this next generation of solutions that run the business. So as Forrester, we decided a few years ago that as we think about this category, it doesn't make sense to keep using this decades-old term that doesn't really reflect what it is anymore. You know, it's really not enterprise resource planning. Um, but really what we're talking about is the operational systems that you rely on every single day in areas like supply chain, customer operations, um, of course, areas like finance and accounting as well, which many people think of as the core of ERP and now the next generation DOP. And so that's why we introduced the new term. We really want to draw a distinction between all of those legacy systems, almost every company has in ERP, and the future systems, which are built with AI at the core. Uh, they have automation across processes, and they're much more modular, much more composable, really built as dynamic platforms in a way that legacy ERPs are not. So we felt that's an important enough shift in the market to warrant a new way of describing it in term. And so that's how we've been thinking about it as you look at the research we're doing and a lot of the client projects that we're doing. What's driving the modernization of these platforms? Because it feels like this is a pretty significant lag from some of the customer-facing tech that's out in market and things that you've already mentioned, Liz. Is there is there a pinch point that's happening right now that you're sort of seeing across um, clients you're working with, or what are the factors here? There's a couple of things that are going on. So, so one reality is that a lot of the systems being used today are so old, they're actually getting to an end of life. The vendors have announced end of support dates. They're not really being innovated in anymore. And it's even hard to find resources. So one of the clients we work with, one of the big drivers for them to look at new systems is they can't even find the resources anymore to support their decades old ERP technology. Um, so that is one part of the conversation is that the technology has gotten so old. It's been so lacking for that attention and that modernization spend that it's really not viable to keep it moving anymore. But another reason why we're seeing these systems start to be invested in and move to the next generation is that there's an increasing recognition of what a critical role they play in achieving not only customer experiences, but really your top line business metrics of growth and profitability. Organizations today, and you see it in our future fit research, they need to move much more quickly. They need to be much more resilient. Look at what happened in the supply chain in recent months, you know, where people just didn't even know what goods they could get, didn't know what they could produce, didn't know what could be on their shelf. And so more and more companies realize we can't just lay out these ideas for customer experience without having the operational systems that can support that. And so those have to be a lot more real time much more insights driven and much more able to change on the fly and suggest change on the fly to be able to achieve the brand vision, um, no matter what industry you're in, if you're in airlines or retail or manufacturing. And so that is really the core business case that we're seeing to move them is that it's to keep operations moving at that pace of what your company wants to do and, and what customers everywhere are starting to expect. It's worth emphasizing Liz's point on the modernization drivers. It's clear to us that operations and customer experience systems coming together provides these hybrid opportunities 
towards delivering shared business goals. We've seen operations architectures with cloud and intelligence platform resolve supply chain disruption, predict demand and future inventory, provide information about order promise, allocation, prioritization. We've seen it proactively identify risk and departures from critical daily operations. So the modernization of cloud services, embedding intelligence and extracting leading metrics from core operational systems are quite useful to improving the customer experience. Exactly. You look at companies that when they're becoming a digital brand, they actually have a new unit. They have a totally new product or service that they're offering. And one of the things what Linda is describing about being more connected is that sometimes those other units, they don't have the insights. They don't really know about the resource connectivity. They don't really know how that is profiting. If they can't see the whole picture around the supplies and the people that are involved in those new ventures, they, they really can't even weigh what's working and what's not. And so we're seeing there's a need to really look at it in that more connected way and in that real-time way, especially with the shift to digital and how people are trying to experiment with some of the new products and new services that are out there. Yeah, all these drivers are moving towards what we call a more adaptive, creative, and resilient composable architecture. Yeah, and I'm sure there's a ton of reasons why companies hold on to these systems for so long. Uh, And I imagine that there's going to be a real forcing mechanism for whoever has been holding the budget and control on these systems to uh, meet one of their friends in the C-suite. Um, wh- who are the leaders that are coming together that are really going to drive this big decision to go to a a, a, a new way of, of looking at these systems or a DOP? Because of their breadth and also the heft of the spend, it is usually multi-role in terms of who's involved. In, in many cases, it's even a board or a CEO who's involved in these decisions because th- this is really the beating heart of the business. Uh, it's huge money. It's not taken lightly. So a lot of times you do see very top-level executives. Almost always, though, you will see the operational roles, uh, finance, operations, supply chain, procurement, uh, HR in many cases as well as the core technology function as the leading decision makers. One of the concepts that we're trying to educate our client base on, though, is why it's important to work alongside with sales, marketing, product, and some of those other more customer-facing elements, because sometimes since it is operational in nature, people leave out those critical roles. And what we're seeing is that to be successful, it really does have to be thought of in the context of what you're trying to do with your customers, with your products, with your services, et cetera. Otherwise, you you might be investing in great operational systems, but you're just emphasizing this disconnect that for many already exists now. And we're also doing research that will extend beyond the view of these traditional roles that Liz just laid out. We're seeing some emerging networks that are happening between CIO and stakeholders across their uh, other colleagues and stakeholder peer groups. So, um, research more to come on that. But uh, yeah, the traditional roles are the ones that are typical in driving these forward and and reaching across, I'll say, party lines or business unit and cross-functional units. But there are some emerging roles that people are beginning to think on in terms of chief revenue officers and sustainability officers and uh, innovation officers as well that play a key role in building the relationship to set up for the right outcomes and results when you uh, implement these types of initiatives. 
Yeah. And that sustainability point is huge because for a lot of companies, the operational systems, they're running the business and they are what you're externally using to talk about profit, growth, revenue. I mean, many companies need to report that either publicly or privately to their investors. And and what you're mentioning, Linda, I think is such an important point that there's this new generation of reporting that is required all around sustainability. And if you don't know, you know, how the different parts that get into the car um, all come together, where they're sourced from, what, what their carbon footprint is as they're moving along that supply chain and, and the transportation network, you're never going to be able to have an accurate picture. Um, and it's not necessarily that you'd be intending to be dishonest about how you're doing on sustainability, but you wouldn't be able to do it accurately. And as we do see that's um, looming as something that probably will be regulated and required, um, that's absolutely a driver. I would, I would say in practice, a lot of our clients aren't necessarily prioritizing that yet, uh, but they should be. And that's been a big theme we're seeing in this space as well, exactly like you say. Yeah, it's closing the loop on the shared buying, shared accountability, and um, the, the shared responsibility around these uh, strategies. So you've already made the case that, you know, it, it's almost a kind of a do or die moment for a lot of companies and a lot of industries. And it's been that way for a while. But CIOs are pretty risk averse. You're talking about new relationships. You're talking about a complete overhaul of the systems. What are going to be the pitfalls of this? Because it sounds like there's no choice not to do it, but there's a lot of things that are going to be in the way of getting there. What are the pitfalls that our clients need to think about first before they embark on this journey that we told them they pretty much have to take? Yeah, I mean, an important thing to think about is, especially for a lot of the companies we're working with, where their last major ERP investment is getting to be 20 years ago, um, the world is so dramatically different that a major pitfall we see is the idea of relying on a very traditional RFP where you list out everything you do today and then look for the successor product to fill that in. More modern approaches are to look at the modern solutions, talk to peers, hear case studies, and really think differently about how a lot of these functions can work. I mean, even something like finance, which you, you might think of as fairly standard, it works very differently in a world in which everything's real time. You know, you, you don't have to have a mentality that you're going to need to allow seven days to close the books when modern systems are, are closing the books in real time and artificial intelligence is doing a lot of what the finance department used to do. So, you know, we really encourage our clients to think differently um, because one major pitfall is when you try to just recreate everything that you're doing today and not take this as an opportunity to really look at what's changing, what's different. And of course, what goes along with that is making sure you really invest in people change and process change because technology alone is never going to help take you into the future. It's it's not going to be done if everything else stays exactly the same. Um, so that's another thing that we're really working with a lot of our clients on. And then one, one other pitfall that um, we sort of talked about earlier is making sure you do involve a holistic group of people in these kinds of efforts. You know, you, you typically see leading edge companies are, are using techniques like design thinking and journey mapping. And sometimes when you start talking about, you know, manufacturing, which can be very regulated and process driven or finance, which has similar characteristics, people don't necessarily see the reason to do that. And in some cases, you know, consuming a standard process does make sense. Um, but in a lot of cases, making sure that you are really keyed in with what customers are doing, what employees are doing, is the right way to drive creativity and innovation in the right places. And so that's something people don't always associate with an ERP modernization to digital operations platforms, um, but something they should be thinking about more. 
I want to offer a different altitude and discuss the challenge for organizations to maintain modernization momentum in whether it's a perceived or actual economic downturn. Our concern is that these efforts don't come to a halt and all the progress these past years doesn't get distracted by portfolio optimization and other rationalizations alone. We aren't saying throw caution to the wind, but we do advise that companies keep going and improve your focus on unique opportunities. It's a good point. And now I'm thinking the CIOs out there listening to us is like, wow, uh, I got a lot to do. Um, you're, you ask them to transform the entire tech stack. Uh, Liz, you just ask them to be more mindful about the customer. <laughs> so the whole thing, this, this leads me to that concept that we, we use in our research, the experience architecture. You can't look at any one set of technologies or people or partners in isolations. You have to look at the entire experience. Um, can either of you like tell us like if the CIO is truly going to be part of the business and make this happen and make the case for this hundreds of millions of dollars investment, like, how do they get to getting the whole company on board and looking at the entire experience so that there's no major mistakes made? I mean, one of the things we're seeing, and it's encapsulated in our definition of the experience architecture as well, is um, to really bring together all of those different groups. So, for example, there's a telco that Forrester worked with recently as they looked at their ERP modernization to a digital operations platform on the cloud. Um, and what they did was they brought together all sorts of different pools of stakeholders and let them really experience these new solutions, have them bring an open mind and, and view what modern could look like and have them raise their concerns as well as key off ideas. Um, and, you, you know, in, in our definition of the experience architecture, we're really talking about alignment across the enterprise. It, you know, it's really a, a concept, it's an approach, um, and making sure that everything is customer-centric in those business processes. So, so that's, you know, one, one key. And it is, as you rightly said, often hard for the CIO role or for the IT department to have those great relationships. A lot of times we know those are difficult relationships at organizations, um, but it's so important. And, you know, actually leaders, you know, leading organizations and companies where there's more of a progressive mindset, um, they are starting to do that more. I mean, we've, we've, of course, seen a lot more blending of CMO and CIO. So there are some organizations where they're already better set up for that. So if, if you're one of those organizations where you are already better aligned, great. Um, if not, you know, then those elements are things to continue to work towards and really keep in mind as you go through, you know, this next generation. And keep in mind, these efforts are not short. You know, a, a DOP modernization can take years. Um, even in a pretty fast case, that's at least a year or more investment, um, plus all the decision making and everything else. So it's something also that you've got to think about. It's a long journey that you're on, and it, it's not something that's like a quick decision that's going to happen. And then the other thing that we're seeing related to that is, you know, remember these solutions they're they're living and they're evolving, and much more. There's a recognition that you're not going to just roll it out and then be done with it, but you're setting something up that can be adaptive and agile and continue to sustain what your business needs, even in the things that are coming down the road that you don't know about today. So it's also setting up your processes for that so that it's not just a one-time modernization, but rethinking how the enterprise can work together to evolve the system, take advantage of innovations, bring innovations, um, and really keep everybody involved on the ongoing basis too. It's, it's more than just the technology. It's got to be those processes and governance approaches too. Sounds good. So this is beyond the technology. 
and uh, it's bigger than that. And you are talking about a change in behavior and process and metrics, particularly for those companies that haven't been recently born. You know, for those big legacy organizations, you know, they're going to have to learn new stuff. Is there kind of a one, two, three in there that they should consider before they, you know, even start to change the technology? So definitely allocating the time to do it right. You know, one of the things we've seen companies struggle with as they get into these, you are touching every major business process, and sometimes they don't have resources who are available. It, it is something that's disruptive to the business. So making sure that you're thoughtful about what resources are going to work on this and how. Um, also taking a look, and this is something Forrester helps with a lot, as to what modern companies are doing, what are the platforms that are out there, what good could look like uh, before you really get into making your selection so that you're learning uh, what's different in the world. You know, we, we really see that that goes a long way when you do some of that up front. Um, and then with regards to once you get into the selection and the rollout, you know, keeping in mind, you don't want to try to start everything based on what you have today, but really looking at what's different, what are other companies doing, um, often looking at where can you consume standardization. That That's a big ask for a lot of organizations because everybody thinks they have all their unique things that they want. Um, but really successful modernization efforts, you'll, you'll typically hear them say they kept it as much standard as they could and reserved innovation for where it really matters and where they really are different and have and have to manage that. So, you know, as you think about the journey, uh, you know, we really see it making sure you're going to have the right resources and time. And you can augment that if you don't, you know, there's consultancies, there's third party technology implementers that can help. Um, and then also making sure that you've, you've done the basics of looking at what's possible uh, before you start going too far down a path of deciding everything that you want to do. And then when you do get on that path, it's, it's treating it in a more modern way. So that, that's a typical journey. Uh, some, sometimes companies are under pressure or they're a carve out or, you know, they may have some, you know, sort of timeline on their back. They can't always do it in an exactly an ideal way. Um, but, you know, that, that's an advisable approach if you can afford it. Does this change, though, what companies are tracking as for metrics? If we're saying become, you know, focus more on customer outcomes, be more customer focused as part of this process and connecting it to, you know, your operations to CX, is the expectation that your metrics or your success metrics are more customer focused in nature when you come out um, of this modernization? Def definitely. I mean, if you look at a lot of organizations who are, you know, making investments now or in the past, how they invested, you know, they might be looking at more traditional metrics around IT project success, or even sort of basic business metrics like, you know, errors in a process, automation in a process. It's not that all of those aren't also still important, but really a leading edge organization, they are thinking about the customer experience. They're also thinking about those broader metrics like growth and profitability. You know, if you're just modernizing all your processes, but you're a failing, shrinking, unprofitable company, that's of course not the goal either. So, so we definitely see companies um, thinking about metrics that are more outcome oriented and the outcomes include customers, but other business metrics that are important as well. Um, the, other, the other point on that is making sure you're really tracking them because most companies today, they're iterating this over time. And so what you'll sometimes see is as they get into the project, they they lose focus of what are those key metrics that they're driving towards and they're not really tracking them or, or somebody's afraid that if, if they aren't doing great on a metric, it's going to make them look bad. And so what happens is they don't really measure and monitor against those goals um, and they start to go off track. I mean, 
ERP modernizations are still prone to lawsuits. You see them in news articles all the time. I mean, it's, it's a huge deal when they go wrong. Um, but unfortunately, sometimes the reason for that is because people don't raise things early. They don't really stay focused on what their true goals are. Um, they get distracted. They get busy. Um, and so that's something else to just really emphasize. It's, of course, having that alignment of what are those most important goals, customer and other business ones should be at the top, but making sure you're measuring those. Otherwise, you can't course correct. But, you know, what else I wanted to leave people with is that, um, you know, we as Forrester, with our Forrester Decisions Frameworks, we, we see so many companies on this journey that we are really investing in a lot of tools and templates. Um, so, you know, if you haven't already, you know, there, there really is a lot of great research there. We're building out more and more case studies to give you examples of how people are doing it. Um, and then, you know, Linda and I and a couple of our other team members, we are going to be at the um, Technology and Innovation Forum in September. Um, we expect this will be a hot topic. We are doing a panel together on it. Uh, so, you know, plenty more beyond today. Um, you know, we, we know we can't cover this all just in the, the time we have today, but lot, lots of resources for people. Great conversation. I think you've convinced everyone that they need to go here. They need a modern infrastructure that truly puts together the front and the back end. But we got a lot of drama in the market. There's a lot of noise around an economic downturn, possibly recession, although I don't know if we can call it a recession with full employment. And everything we got going on, but it doesn't matter. The markets are are going through what they're going through. Um, so it is uh, actually counterintuitive to the view that I know both of you have, which is in a downturn like this, it may be exactly the right time to make this investment in time and resources to make this transformation. Um, tell us about that. Tell us exactly why this is the best time to make this investment. My first reaction is stay committed to the investments in digital operations and digital services innovation. Or when you come out of the economic, or when the ec economy rebounds, you'll have nothing to show for it. It's also a great time to, a lot of organizations are wondering what to do with the knowledge worker. They're, they're lost in the wilderness in some way. It's a great way to redeploy the knowledge worker to uh, deliver projects like this that is focused on the customer. Yeah, no, exactly. And I think um, what you just said about resources, we know these projects, these programs, they often run into trouble because the best resources are so busy running the business. And so if you are able to free up time, perhaps as a side effect of the recession, uh, this can be a great way to make use of those resources, keep them employed. You know, these can be often great employees um, that sometimes face layoffs during these tough times, um, but they can be very valuable on these projects. And often this is the best time for them to have real free time. And then likewise, if you think about the ecosystem of resources that typically gets used, you know, when you're talking about a hundred million dollar or for some of our clients, even a billion dollar modernization effort for moving ERP to DOP, um, oftentimes there's multiple third parties involved from the add-on technologies, the core technologies, the systems integrators, the consultancies, et cetera. Um, oftentimes during troubled economic times, th those resources can be easier to get great resources at a better, more competitive cost um, versus times when everybody is, you know, sp spending a lot of money. And so you're paying more for the lower quality resources. So so whether it's your internal resources or the partners that we typically see involved, it, it actually can be a, a silver lining um, when we do hit some of these tough times. Other than that, we've been hearing nothing but, you know, kind of rising costs and resource shortages. And so, you know, those are um, obviously adding to an already difficult situation when you're trying to undertake such a massive modernization effort. 
Fantastic. Well, this sounds like there's much more to come. Thank you, Linda. Thank you, Liz. And uh, we look forward to uh, hearing more about the DOP. Thanks, Keith. Thanks, Jen. Thanks for having us here today. If you like what you heard today, be sure to check out the panel session on this topic at the upcoming Technology and Innovation North America event in September. To learn more, visit for.com slash TI22. That's F-O-R-R dot com slash TI22. Thanks for listening.